Alice. And this is PH Drunk! In today's episode, we are discussing a simple story by Elizabeth Inchbald. Elizabeth Inchbald was an 18th century writer, dramatist, and actress, and her family was Roman Catholic, which was notable in Britain because of the Reformation and Henry VIII's fragile masculinity. Not Roman Catholic. <laughs> Not fragile masculinity. Oh, God, <laughs> what will we ever do? <laughs> you can definitely see the influence of her family's religion in A Simple Story. This novel was published in 1791, and fun fact about Inchbald, in Mansfield Park by Jane Austen, the scandalous play that the main character, Fanny Price, refuses to be a part of because it is too sexy is Lover's Vows by Elizabeth Inchbald. I love anything that's too sexy. Yeah, that's very uh, Brin's aesthetic. Mm-hmm, very on brand for me. <laughs> okay, could you give us, please, a super fast, tiny plot summary? I'm going to say that faster. Could you give us, please, a super fast, tiny plot summary? I can indeed. In A Simple Story, the beautiful young heiress, Miss Milner, is orphaned when her father dies and is left in the guardianship of Mr. Doraforth, a <gasps> gasp Catholic priest. That's be hot. Very hot. Miss Milner. So hot. <laughs> it's so hot. Oh my god. Miss Milner no. <laughs> is a society girl. She is flirty and flirtatious, but she has a good heart, of course. She falls in love with Doraforth because he is sexy and forbidden, and Inchbald grew up Catholic, so duh. Everyone love loves priest. a sexy Catholic priest. Everybody I mean. loves a sexy priest. He eventually has to stop being a priest so he can become an earl when his relative dies and they get married and she is disgraced and he disowns their daughter. And at the end there's a reconciliation and things end up happily for everyone except for Miss Milner because she is dead. Oh, Miss Milner. <laughs> Sad she fucked it Milner. up too many times. She well, fucked listen. it up too many times. She won Sanford over in the end, though. I never <laughs> thought that was going to happen. Like, listen, at the beginning, come on. She wins over the most morally righteous person. I know. Speaking of which, wait, segment two, themes for days. Can we, which which theme are we talking about first? I have to do the theme song. Oh, I'm sorry. Segment two, themes for days. Themes on, themes on, themes. <laughs> I'm so ready. Which theme are we talking about first? Okay, so we're going to talk about duty first. Duty like number two, or duty like <laughs> our obligation. It would not be an episode of this podcast without a little bathroom humor, and we're going to be talking about duty, duty, why duty. Um, if there's also like a sex pun we could throw in there, that would be great. I, not so much. In please and thank you. You know what? If we were James Joyce, um, oh, don't leave his not, letters though. to his wife. They're very poopy. <laughs> <laughs> Poopy letters. There was somebody They're else. Shitty on multiple it was levels. somebody else. I was like, who was it? There was some other famous author who wrote like really foul letters to his wife. Like, I can't remember. I think everyone should it write was on, foul letters it was to their wife. Really, it was it was a lot. It was a lot. Anyway, um, okay. So yeah, let's talk about. The idea of duty in this novel because there is a lot of it, yes. and I think we should talk about Doraforth first. Yes, because he has the most intense of obligations, which is he is a priest uh, in the Catholic Church, and he has taken vows. Plus, he's also got so much like internal righteousness. I mean, come on. He feels like he needs to do this one specific thing, and if you don't get on board with his vision, then you are obviously morally wrong and terribly personally bankrupt. Oh, I'm He's sorry, I thought we were talking about Dorfworth, not Sanford. 
No, Dorfort <laughs> 2. Dorfort 2. He's got so much internal righteousness. Like, yeah. I cannot with him. He thinks Miss Milner is a terrible person, and then he marries her. And then he thinks, yeah, he does, though. He thinks that he she's... He doesn't th- think she's that Sanford. He stands up for her in front of Sanford. He stands up to Sanford. Until there's the masquerade, and then even, like, before... Well, you know... Homegirl was so much. He thinks ago. he's going to shape her personality. He's going to shape her character. That is I such mean. that is okay. such a like typical dude thing though. Exactly. In novels. Exactly. Yeah, and also how many women think they're gonna fix a man in every novel? I mean, I mean can we talk about Helen in Ten of Wild Law? Yeah, it's like a common thing. Miss Milner isn't virtuous enough for that though. Okay. Which is honestly one of the reasons I like. But it. like Throughout, especially the first part of the novel, when we find out that Miss Milner is in love with Dorforth, but Dorforth is still like an ordained priest. Yeah, um, it's hot. Technically That's celibate. Hot. That's hot. That's gonna get you yes. nine years of sexual tension right there. I mean, it, it doesn't, absolutely but it definitely could have. Um, <laughs> this podcast sponsored by nine years of waiting. <laughs> If uh, you wish to sponsor us for a tenth year, please let us know. <laughs> we would enjoy being subsidized in our tenth year of waiting. By we Jameson. already have our own chastity belt. <laughs> oh no! Oh, we sent a bottle of Jameson. Mine is, mine is out of commission. <laughs> I'm broke. I don't know. Lost the key. Um, Once upon a time, we were chased. So that is all. Okay, so in the first part where Miss Milner is, like, super in love with him, but she can't do anything about it because yes. he's still an ordained Catholic yes. priest. Hottest and part. then Miss Woodley is like, this is the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. Yes. You cannot love him. And I'm like, girl, do you not know that you are literally saying the things that are just going to make this whole situation girl. hotter and Miss Milner is never going to be able to get over it? I it's- text you. I text you saying, I think that what's-her-face is trying to get up on him and she's just trying to push Milner yes. away. I, like, I was, like, concerned. Miss no, Miss yes. Woodley does no, not she want to go forth. Listen, no. she does not. But at the beginning, I wasn't sure. I don't trust, like, nobody because I'm a type 8 wing 7 and everybody's fucking sketch as shit. But I am saying... I like her now, but at this point, when she kept saying, because yes. she was like, this is Listen, so wrong, this is so, because, I was like, bitch. Because it's so hot, that, like, <laughs> no one would not think it's hot. Um, and then, and then, she you don't get it because, for herself is- so everybody thinks it's hot. Dorfith is a priest, right? And it's not explicit, but you start getting these, like, hints from Inchbald that he is also attracted to Miss Milner, and like it is hot that Miss Milner is into Dora Forth, but the way that Inchbald builds up the like actually Dora Forth, who is an ordained priest, is having feelings for his ward, but like on the DL, but on the DL, like he doesn't even know it. That is what makes the tension. Like shout out to Alice for her love of sexual tension. That is what makes the tension in this novel so good. It's it's not just that Miss Milner is in love with a Catholic priest. It's it's the constant suggestion that he probably is falling in love with her too, and mm-hmm. it is so yeah. fucking naughty. He can't even be around her for too long because then he feels that maybe it's inappropriate, and we don't know why he feels it's inappropriate. I mean, we do. We know, but <laughs> Dorforth doesn't know why Dorfort it might be inappropriate. Is yes. And it's just that sense of, like, they're both fighting what they believe to be their, like, best principles, but they can't not be in love with each other. Mm. Oh, it's so good. So much tension. 
It's and then Miss Milner, like in a in an idea of like in the the sense of duty that I'm like not all about is this idea that Miss <laughs> Milner owes her father, her dead father, and later on her husband, like a certain type of behavior that she owes them a there's so much of that and the rules that she's supposed to abide by are like arbitrary and absolute fucking nonsense there's so many rules too like there's so how are we supposed to keep track how are we supposed to keep track of them and then how is miss milner supposed to keep track of all these arbitrary rules things she can and can't do can't go to this party do go to this one go live with this dude but like it won't be weird but if you go live with this dude it will be weird it's so bonkers like the masquerade like okay so that's because masquerades though okay yeah I give you that in the 18th century and 19th century, masquerades were definitely, like, code for wild sex parties. Um, Highly sexualized. Even if they didn't end up having sex, like, everybody, there was a mystery of the unknown. Sure. Everybody was so much more sexy. But, like, the the clue that we're given, like, the sign that Miss Milner is actually a good person is that she's very obedient in the first half of the novel. And, like, even though she's very, like outspoken and does a lot of things that aren't necessarily seen as scare quotes good she like if Dora Forth gives a command she listens to it except for the masquerade and so it what was the social event of the season she yeah, needed but he, to go oh, and then he commanded her and he wasn't he, like, even going to be home her what she was supposed to do yeah and he wasn't even going to be there no one was going to get hurt and so like, icky it is because it is icky so here's the thing there's this masquerade she's like everyone's going to be there like obviously we're going and it was then advertised like, in the paper yeah it was advertised in the fucking paper like everyone's going to be there dude get over it <laughs> and they then, spent weeks coming up with their costumes <gasps> And he's like, oh, no, obviously we're not going to that because, like, I'm an ex-priest or whatever. And who's going to be out of town or whatever. Um, and she's like, wait, what <laughs> are you fucking talking about? And then Are you she, sure? Wait, Because what? we should be there. And then she, like, ends up actually going, and it's the first time that she disobeys him, and it's, like, a big fucking deal, right? I mean. Okay. So we're going to talk more about Miss Milner's obligations or whatever later on Mm -hmm. but then there's also this in the second half of the novel which is the interesting there's this idea of like matilda who is dora forth and miss milner's daughter um that she owes a duty to her father but also that she owes a duty to her mother and it's the tension between those two things that i think is like what makes matilda an interesting character or not just that but among other things. I like no I like Matilda too. Yeah. I think Matilda has to struggle to be acknowledged by her father but then also retain whatever acknowledgement her mother left her. Yeah. Matilda's stuck in a weird yeah a weird she place. Is. And she tries her best to navigate it and she's polite to her father and she tries very hard to abide by her father's oh strictures my God. and commands. Dorforth becomes I am not Dorforth's biggest fan by the end of this. I think this is a perfect um, segue into our second theme, which is anger issues. Oh my gosh. There is so much anger, especially for the men. <gasps> I like, love it. Dorforth <laughs> and Sanford are two of the most angry men in all of literature. They cannot Ugh. keep it together. It's Dorforth, wonderful. No, Dorforth <laughs> can't even keep his shit together. He's just always angry. Yeah. And oh. even right. Well, bitch, you'd be pissed too. No. no. He says he 
he forgives her. about? He says he sort of forgives her about the masquerade, and then he holds on to that anger for their whole marriage. And Sanford, just like his moral outrage, is outrageous Listen, itself. I will I fight you about Sanford I can't. because I have feelings about him. I like Sanford. Him. No, the angry Sanford off. in the beginning, and then I love Sanford. Okay, I have lots of feelings about that. Which ones are we going to start with? We're going to start about how everybody handles anger differently. There okay. are some good. I would argue that Sanford and Matilda handle their anger in more healthy ways. I'm still not Sanford's biggest fan. And then there are like the, the Miss Milner and Dora Forth do not handle their anger in very healthy ways. Miss Milner is better at it. Dora Forth is the worst. The Dora fucking worst. Is the worst. And he spends oh his whole God. life angry. He spends his whole life angry. His whole marriage it's better than spending your whole angry. life heartbroken. Huh? Broken. It's better than your whole life heartbroken. I mm. no 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 no. no. Yes, there is yes, yes, yes. this heart broken, important and, and healthy emotion, mm-hmm. but Dora Force takes it to bonkers levels. Agree, but he, he won't even let his wife's name be said or his daughter's name. Yeah. They were fucking married. I have a lot of feelings about Dora Force's reaction to his wife. A lot of feelings. Okay, Obviously I can't even think are. about whether we get into this now. No, we're not. I'm going to save this for the we're character save analysis. It. Save but, it! Okay. Like, Hold on to your anger. Dora Forth. <laughs> unlike Dora Forth. So he, after, <laughs> after he, like, disowns Miss Milner, like, after they get married and she cheats on him and, like, he disowns her, he, he won't alert. let anyone say his, her name in his presence, like, mention her at all. Mm. He disowns his daughter, which, like, period, you disown your child, I hate you, fuck you. And then... <laughs> She, I mean, I mean, she yes. didn't, she was a baby. She didn't do yes. anything wrong. Like fuck Dora Forth. Um, and then Miss <laughs> Milner did not want. And then to. he has this anymore. This <laughs> bonkers rule that she can live in his house, but if he ever sees her, he will cast her away and disown her, and like never own her, like, never consider her his daughter again, and it is so fucking over the top. I mean, to tell your daughter to stay in your room, bitch, I mean, come on. It is so toxic, and so bad, like, it's just so bad, and then in the second half of the novel, I actually really love how Inchabal does it, because she has, um, like, he expresses his anger in very unhealthy ways, but they also have, especially Sanford, talk about how much he's changed since their earlier, like, because Sanford has known them, and has known Dora Forth since Dora Forth was, like, a young man, and then in the second half, Sanford talks about how, like, he barely recognizes Dora Forth, because, mm-hmm. like, that part of him that he had that as a young man was, like, this very, like, moral, righteous, mm-hmm. like, o- a little over-the-top, um by the book kind of person that Sanford loved, he's like, he has taken it to such an extreme and I barely recognize him. And I think that, that you really see that and that Inchbald does a, a good job of show of showing us and not telling us, but also having it, you know, free of it's not something that you necessarily miss. No. But it's not so obvious that you're beat over the head with it. I think she does a really good job of of showing a version of anger that starts as like morally righteous and ends with just being fucking bonkers. The whole book, everybody's angry all the time. Do you think anyone in the book handles it well though? 
you know I who can does? Tell you how to actually who should have handled this? <laughs> how should he tell us? Tell us. So what? How Dor- should he have handled what it? What Dorothy Forth should have done, which I resent that I was told. Dorothy is the hashtag Type A Enneagram because no, any real Type A Enneagram, what they would have done is they would have kept Matilda and then bounced out from like like they would have kicked out Miss Milner, what the fuck, and been like, bye, bitch. Kept the daughter and been fine. And none of this would have been a problem. Everything would have been fine. Milner would have died. Healthy, a reaction. Well, I'm just saying. It's a actual type eight response. A healthy Enneagram type eight. Because they would have seen it as like, one, why should I suffer giving up my child? Yeah. And two, I can make Milner suffer more by taking the child. Like, God, any type any type eight with half a brain. I don't know. But it's unhealthy. And he's Enneagram wealthy. And he's wealthy, so he's like people to take care of this kid. But but Dorforth is not a healthy type eight. Oh, he's a stupid type eight. Yes. Dorforth <laughs> I don't think he's a type I eight. I propose. I think he's a type seven. What? There's Four nothing seven about him. Unhealthy. He's rash. He just he's he, 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 type eight. But his mm. his pride. You. It's not about. You can't look at the thing about the enneagram. This is not an enneagram. <laughs> oh podcast. no! The thing about the enneagram. Wait a second. This this podcast is not <laughs> sponsored by the enneagram. But if the enneagram would like to sponsor this podcast, we would not be opposed. <laughs> he might be a one. No. I thought he was a one. I could see him as a one. I I really thought he was a very very unhealthy one at the beginning. Um, Only a one would do the child thing, though. No. No, because everybody, because it's morally wrong. Nobody would do the no, giving because, up your child because thing. Because he would, like, it's morally it's wrong that she, uh, like, that they I, no. cheated and Okay, so the affair, thing about the like, Enneagram is that you can't look at action, you have to look at motivation. Mm. And his motivation for his the way he reacts to things in the second half of the novel and for his rules to Matilda, his motivations aren't because he thought that they were moral or that Miller's actions were immoral and he needed to punish them. His motivation is he is fucking pissed. And that is type 8. Type 8 isn't motivated by anger. Anger is a side effect of type... Is a side effect where our motivation is control. Right, exactly. Dora Forth and his... Yes, Dora Forth is trying to control If he really wanted to be in control, he would have kept the kid But he's an unhealthy type A. He's just stupid. Exactly. He's just stupid. He's an unhealthy type A. He didn't think it through. He didn't think about the consequences. But I mean, he couldn't because then we wouldn't have a plot. Sure. Sure. And Paul had to do what she had to do. She's a genius. Also, they didn't have Enneagrams in the 18th century. They did. They didn't know about them. Yes. I think that Matilda is actually an example of how to handle anger in a healthy way because she is really angry at uh, mm-hmm. Rushbrook uh, for understandable reasons. He's her father's heir. She thinks he's being rude to her because he's too impetuous and he is being rude to her even though he doesn't mean it. Rushbrook is a seven. Um <sighs> Yeah, oh, I'm not convinced. Hold on, I'm gonna have to think about this. He impetuous. He wants like to do all of the things. He's like very social. Mm. Yeah, I might be convinced, but keep talking. I'm gonna think about this. Okay. Yeah. For a minute. Anyway, thoughts on so it. she's pissed at Rushbrook because he like intrudes upon her privacy, and she like is pissed at him, and she doesn't like banish him from her sight forever. She's just like, there's this part where uh, Rushbrook like comes across her in the garden and she's just like this icy cold queen and like follows all of the she like still like nods her head or whatever at him but it's so like such an obvious fuck you (laughs) that he feels it and and then 
like, like a good obvious fuck you. Yeah, like, so good. He knows that she is pissed at him, that she doesn't do anything to be ashamed of, and then she stays angry with him until she learns more about him, and when she realizes that his motivations are actually good and that he wants to help her, like, when she understands his character better, she doesn't necessarily forgive him for his, like, lack of propriety and rudeness, but she doesn't, like, write him off for forever. Like, she's the only person who actually is able to be angry and then forgive in a healthy manner. Interesting. That's my that's my take on it anyway. <clears throat> Interesting. I have thoughts on another character, but I'm going to save it for our next segment. Character analysis. But make it factual. Which characters would you like to talk about since you chose the book, Chris? And then I have a character that I wish to talk about dearly also. Okay. I would like to talk about Sanford and Miss Filner. Okay. Should we start with Sanford? Because he's my favorite. He's your favorite? He's your favorite? He's your favorite? Yeah. I mean, I guess he is the most Enneagram type one. He oh, is God. He's so type one. <laughs> I mean, he is. I do not love the tone of voice in which you said that. Thank you. No, no. He's, a, he's an unhappy. You are a type one I love. He is a type one I hate in the beginning and then learn. Okay, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the fact that in Do the beginning know? of the novel, because I had the same reaction, the first half of the novel, I was like, Sanford is the fucking worst. He can fuck all the way up. Uh, all the way. And then in the second half of the novel, I actually think he's like a sweet old man. Um, and... The reason that I like Sanford the most isn't because I necessarily like him as a person the most, but because I think it's the most interesting. It makes me think the most interesting things about this novel because it makes me think about the narrative perspective from which the novel is told, right? So we hate Sanford in the beginning, and I would argue that's because in the first half of the novel, we're actually seeing the world through Miss Milner's eyes. Dorothworth is sexy and good and like amazing and then Sanford is this like bad dude who's always judging her and we get even though it's ostensibly a third person narrator I actually think that what you're seeing is the world through Miss Milner's eyes so in the second half of the novel I think we see the world more through Matilda's eyes because she has a better relationship with Sanford from the beginning and he's like a more of a benevolent grandfatherly kind of a figure to her and he's been with her his whole life or her whole life and she looks to him for affection and guidance and in a lot of ways protection um that's actually the version of Sanford that we see and it's not necessarily because one version is more real than the other but because it tells us about who we should be considering as the narrative voice. And I think that that's super interesting. No, no, Inchbald is definitely, like, a master of the narrative So here. good! Like, certain characters are set up to be good or more interesting or more lovable. I'm, I'm not... It's the flip. It's the I flip that I find though. so good. I have to say, I didn't Sanford's buy... Sanford's the most complex of all the characters, absolutely. What? Absolutely. Sanford's the most Absolutely. complex? Absolutely. More than Dorfworth? Definitions oh God, of Dorf complex characters. No, complex characters have to face challenges and then change either good or bad. They have to change in some way. It takes and Sanford so is the only challenges. one that actually 
really changes. It takes him so many challenges. He's the only one who actually changes. I don't think so. Oh, he's the only one who has like real significant change. Absolutely. I I surprise agrees with agree with Alice. Like actually, I think that Samford. I don't know if he necessarily like grows as a person so much as like as a character. There is a significant difference between. First half of the novel, yes. Sanford, and second half of the novel, Sanford. But the way he grew, like, as a character changes, I think, is dependent upon what he learns and sees about the world and how he reacts in a different way yes. as a person. I think like, it is he's, partly that and also partly my argument about narrative perspective in this novel. I, I think that That's Sanford true. changes because he talks to a fucking woman. And if you have to <laughs> if you have to talk to a fucking woman Hashtag to make a change in your woman. life, then you have started out way too shitty for me to be around you. I, That's like every man. Every exactly man gets though. better when they hashtag talk to exactly. a woman. Exactly. So if you start out being a shitty person because you can't talk to a woman, then I have no well, patience ta- for you. But she if talked you, to her before. He talked at her before. At her. At her. He talked at her. He didn't get to know Miss Milner. Sanford did not get to know Miss Milner until she started experiencing difficulty. And then when he finally got to know her, talked to her, and realized what a struggle she was going through, then he went to bat for her. Sort I mean, of. isn't that like how like people deal with her. other people, though? Yeah. I, I don't think he ever time, really went to bat for her. I think he just went to bat for Matilda. But at the same time, like, I, all of these men who aren't supporting the women around them, I have no patience for it. No matter how much you grow or change, I, if it takes you talking to two or three, because Miss Milner, Miss Woodley, and Matilda, if it takes you talking to three fucking women to change your mind, I'm not here for it. Sanford can fuck off, even at the end. I do not like Sanford. Okay. I stand okay. by it. Damn! Damn. <laughs> That's it. That's a, a lot, but <laughs> you're welcome. I don't. I, I still do like it. I don't think that he. I still don't, but that's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I do think he changes because he of his relationship with Miss Milner and how it evolves. I do think that he is blameable for his attitude towards women in the beginning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, and Sign I don't me up think for that. I do not think that his change of heart excuses or erases his earlier behavior but i will give him credit for like actually changing and i don't think miss woodley and miss and matilda like he has to talk to them in order to change his opinion of women i think he is genuinely better like i think he's genuinely more understanding softer more forgiving um because he has experienced this relationship with miss milner and like I can both condemn his earlier behavior and appreciate the man that he comes. And he is also the only person, even though he's actually scared of Dora Forth in the second half, because he's like an old he's like an old man and he doesn't want Matilda to be cast out and he's like afraid that Dora Forth's anger is gonna be too much and that he's gonna incur it and that and that Matilda will suffer, even because even though he feels those things that are understandable and reasonable, he is still the only person who stands up to Dora Forth. And he does it for Matilda. I think that that is commendable. Even if you don't like him, even if you don't like him at the end of the novel, I don't think he stays as as bad as 
he ends in the beginning. Mm, I think if you have to couch a character as not being as bad, I don't think he. I, I personally, I don't think he's bad I, in the second. Can we maybe we agree he's, he's a really half. well-written character? He is a really well-written. We all character. have yeah. so many differing opinions, and it's really interesting. And Paul mm-hmm. does a great job. Which other character do you want to talk about? Uh, Miss Milner, because obviously, obviously. obviously. Okay. Can we talk? Oh, sorry. I have so many thoughts about this, guys. Miss Milner is complicated. She is very complicated. What I love about her... <laughs> she ain't that complicated. <laughs> okay, like, maybe as a character she's not, but the situation, the way she functions in the novel is, like... <laughs> <laughs> but go for it. Do it. Do it. Okay. Uh, so I think she's, like, extremely sassy, and she has quite a sense of humor, and she speaks up a lot for a young woman in an 18th century novel. Um, and I, I, she's just fun to read. She's fun to read as a character. Her inconstancy is definitely punished in true 18th century fashion because she ends up dead. (laughs) But I would argue that nothing in this book makes more sense than the fact that she cheats on Dora Floyd. Interesting. Because, let me, let me lay it out for you. She marries this older man who Mm -hmm. is very judgmental and is always holding over her head how much morally how morally superior he is to her but also strangely sexy but also he's a hot ex-priest uh, that yes <laughs> but that only lasts so long uh you <laughs> only get you only the ex-priestiness wears <laughs> listen <on. laughs> everybody knows that you're only sexy for the same number of months as you were a priest for a year like for oh, years right. like charlotte from sex and city <laughs> <laughs> like if you were There's a priest a for 20 formula. years you're sexy for 20 months after you get defrocked like sure. duh i've never heard that before in my life but sure <laughs> just do it but okay <laughs> anyway um okay so he's he's judgy as hell and then they're married for a few years, and then he leaves too. And this is where I'm gonna get real fired up, guys, because it's sure. my soapbox. No, he yes. leaves to go to the West Indies to deal with his property, which is not so subtle code for he is going to the Caribbean plantations and colonies to deal with his enslaved property. Scare quotes all the fuck over that because that's some bullshit. Dora Forth leaves her four years to go be in a fucking enslaver and she's a young woman with needs who is left at home alone and he ignores her and doesn't write to her and like then her old lover comes back and is like paying attention to her and let me remind you that she's probably like 21 or 22 at this point and she thinks like my old dude husband is potentially dead because he wasn't fucking writing to me he couldn't even dictate a fucking letter he just like wouldn't even talk to her for what was it three three years years. uh she thought she's like i'm i would think you were dead too if you didn't talk to me for three years there's nothing more understandable than the fact that she like she's like oh well i guess i guess that was that gotta make the best of this i already have a kid i don't know what i'm gonna do so yeah like if Miss Milner want to get her some, get her some, girl. I, I have no judgment against Miss Milner at that point because then he comes back and then he's like, you are the worst person ever. Even though she realizes he was still alive, feels really bad about it, and then confesses to him, which is weird because he's a priest, 
Mistake number fucking one. Yes. <laughs> but she, That's like, she business. at least tries. Like, she at least tries to repair their relationship. And then he, like, abandons her and abandons her child. And it's awful. And awful. I will say that in the beginning of the novel, she is in a lot of interactions with her and Dora Forth in Stanford, the one that acts the most maturely. Because there are parts, there are parts, not in all of the interactions, but there are parts where... Sanford and especially is like resenting her and like saying bad shit about her behind her back and she's the one who's like I don't like him but I'm not gonna shit talk him when he's not around and Dorothy actually back. calls Sanford out on that he's like because Sanford's shit talking uh Miss Milner in the beginning and Dorothy is like you know for as bad as you sh- say that she is I have never heard her once say bad shit about you when you're not in the room Maybe the real lesson is if Dorford had just listened to Sanford from the beginning. <laughs> or if we could just cut Sanford out of our lives. Oh, I stand by it. I do not so, think Sanford is a problem. So Dorford would have done that and worse if he I mean Dorford is shitty and Sanford is slightly less shitty, but here we are. We tell you my favorite character. Yes. Please do. Miss Woodley. I do quite like her. She sticks by Miss Milner for the whole time and she's like a spinster on her own, kind of, but she's with Miss Milner. And then she stays with Matilda. And honestly, two women spending their whole lives together from adolescence into potentially Miss Woodley's middle ages. Feeling like they spend all their time together. They do all of their ladies' work together. They write letters the whole time. They live together in the same set of rooms or right next to each other. I mean... Wouldn't we all like to have a nice lady friend like Miss Woodley? I mean, I mean, have a nice lady friend <laughs> like Miss Woodley. <laughs> I mean, sign me up for that. I mean, everybody needs a Miss Woodley in their life. I she's just a little too available for me. Only for Miss Milner, and then Matilda when it gets a little weird. It's just a lot. It's, like I'm gonna need Woodley to calm down. I I love <laughs> this like space. interesting queerish reading of Miss Woodley. I'm here for it, but just like. In the over-the-top-ness of all of the characters of this novel, she gets lost. She does, yeah. But she never talks shit about anyone, um, unless it agrees with Miss Milner, and then she just, like, sticks her toe in this shit-talking, but never dives in. And she is quiet and lovely and nice to everyone, does her work, hangs out with all the nice people, tries to mediate. She helps Miss Milner when she's having a fit of passion, or, I don't know, whatever sure. the fuck they call it in the novel. But, like, she's a regulating presence. She's quiet and peaceful. And she does all the right things. She never shit talks anyone. If anyone is good in the novel, I think it's Miss Woodley. I absolutely agree with And you. she's I... the Savic figure also. So, Inchbald is writing a Savic figure, code for a possible lesbian, with the character that's the most good. I love all of that. I just think Miss Woodley is kind of boring. I think that's her virtue. Oh my god, but I don't want to be boring. But nobody wants to be Dora Forth. No. And I don't want to be Sanford. And Miss Milner fucks it up in the I end. I want to be Matilda. Like, I mean, oh, alright, maybe Matilda. But at the same time, like, Matilda's got her own shit. She's trapped in her rooms half the year. Sure, but she ends up with a hot dude and a big fucking fortune. Like, maybe. Miss Woodley they is. They never tell Miss, you for sure. I think Miss Woodley is lovely, but I just don't think she's very memorable. I memorable her. Okay. <laughs> I like Miss Woodley. Why don't we give this novel, A Simple Story, our final grades? I'll start us off. 
Uh-huh. It kind of feels like I'm cheating, but I'm giving a simple story an A because I think Sanford's transformation in the eyes of the reader is masterful. Thank you, Inchbald. And I basically just think this story is bomb. All right, I'm going to go with an A- minus because I wish there were more about Miss Woodley in this moment's relationship. And also, I don't think Sanford is great. Oh. I don't think he ends up great either. I said it. You're entitled to your wrong Wait, opinion. so why are you giving it an A minus? Like, what's it's the part that gets story. it to an A minus? It's still a good story. You said all got, the <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's still a good story, and it's got all the colonialism, and I find it really interesting and also terrible at the same time. And, you know, I go in for that shit. Okay. What about you, Ellis? Um, I keep debating. I'm sort of, like, between a B plus and an A minus. It's enjoyable. I feel like we could deal a little bit more with the politics. Oh. Listen, you guys don't like mine because I gave it, like, a non-sexy story. <laughs> I don't know. No, I, I do agree. I just, I find it I want to deal. I want to deal more with the things. Like, yes, mm-hmm. he's an enslaver. Let's fucking talk about it. Let's call some shit out. Like, let's... I would have loved that, too, but, like, you're not going to get that from a novel published in 1791. Right, and that's why it's not getting an A for me, mm-hmm. because I would But it never would have sold in 1791. I don't care. I'm saying I'm giving it a great based on what oh, I okay. enjoy, and what I enjoy, I need a little more from it. But it's a... Miss Woodley would give you a little a, more. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I do think, I do think it's, like, an interesting story as far as, like, how it deals with gender. I think Sanford's a very complex character. I actually really enjoyed, like, I was genuinely surprised by my feelings about Sanford, and I'm never really surprised by my feelings about anything. And he, he... He did some work with me, and I appreciate that. So I, I, and I, it's a fun, it was a fun read. Like, I, I didn't read this and be like, God, I just have to get through this. Like, I actually genuinely had fun reading it. So, okay, I'm going to go A minus. I'm going to go A minus. Oh, look at you. Fuck me, man. A minus, I guess. 1791 novel. Got Ellis. I mean, it's real close to my period. (laughs) (laughs) There. Time period, not. (laughs) I shouldn't. Sometimes academics menstruate, okay? <laughs> I know, but I'm just saying that the menstruation is not the thing making me decide it's worth an A. It might be, though. You never know. Never know. So if we there. haven't lost our readers, our listeners, by now, we gave you sex, we gave you periods, we gave you gender jokes. You're bringing the lactation in episode one. Lactations! Like. We've given... What more do you want we from are, us? We're the whole package. <laughs> You're welcome. Many thanks to you all for listening and drinking with us today. Hopefully you guys enjoyed a beverage or two. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at phdrunkpodcast. You can also go over to our Patreon page at www.patreon slash phdrunkpodcast and buy us drinks so we can keep drowning our hashtag existential despair. And thanks as always to Anchor for helping us make this podcast a thing, even though we are very technologically challenged. That's it for us, gentles. Books Books down. down. Bottoms Bottoms up. up.